You are listening to Doc Watson's Boxing Update in association with Primal Radio. I think we need to do an actual intro and start the show properly. No, we don't. People know who we are. No one's magically go, oh, what the hell is this show? It's Primal Radio. It's our Boxing Update with the world famous, the one and only Doc Watson. How was that intro? The whole thing of this show is to talk about what the fuck is going on in boxing. It's a lot of news. It's kind of interesting. I asked prepared for the showtime about two hours right before just looking at stuff and find it to see you'll be amazed at my boxing knowledge today not that i didn't have it already but i'm on top of my shit you never share what you prepared and that now i know i'm gonna get you know dumped with a kind of peter mcneely question <laughs> <laughs> a pete mcneely question so i know you gave us an agenda canelo 11th round win what, what were your thoughts wasn't exactly exciting stuff it was a weird one i mean some might say canelo was quite intelligent in the way that he fought but i felt that he didn't do very much i felt like he was boxing like he knew that he would get the decision no matter what because he he didn't really fight with any urgency up until the point of the of the knockout and kovalev while he was a bit more busy he was really he was just sort of lightly hitting Canelo's gloves for the most part. So sort of, there wasn't a lot on Kovalev's shots. I felt like I was probably giving more rounds to Kovalev because he was a little bit busier. But then, you know, I know a lot of people would be going the other way and saying, no, you know, I'm not going to give him rounds because he's not actually landing anything. And Canelo right. was you know, landing probably the better shots, but there weren't many of them. So overall, it was just all a bit underwhelming, really. And obviously, the knockout was good. It was a quality stoppage at the end, but I think it told us what a little of what we already knew, and that that is that, you know, Kovalev is well past his best and is is quite faded really now. I thought he did a decent job of you know, initially keeping to the outside with that jab. He wasn't putting a lot of power into it. He was throwing a slapping overhand right, and I don't like that slap. It doesn't really produce any power. Like you said, he was hitting the gloves a lot, and I think that's how Canelo approached the fight. I, I like that. It's, you're right. It's not real exciting to watch, but it's very effective. So Canelo did a great job of his covers. Punches weren't landing, and he slowly began to walk Kovalev down. And he would drop a couple bombs in there. And Kovalev, I think, was fearful of, of obviously, that power. And rightfully so, obviously, by the knockout in the 11th round. So, although not terribly exciting fight overall, Canelo did what he needed to do. I think, you know, he probably had to worry about the size of Kovalev, too, fighting right. such oh, yeah. a much bigger body. Because... Yeah, I mean, there was a big difference, wasn't there? Visibly big sizes. It was just a very different fight from what I was expecting, to be frank. You know, I thought that Kovalev was going to look slow and was going to miss a lot with his shots because of the sort of much speedier Canelo. And, you know, I wasn't expecting Canelo to be sort of like walking him down like that. So it was was all very different. And I, I felt like watching it, I was like, Kovalev's got off to a pretty good start here. You know, he's settling into this quite well. But uh, none of his shots were really having much. They weren't doing anything, were they, really? I mean, I'm sure Canelo wary, but, you know, during <laughs> oh, yeah. the fight, in the second half, I was thinking, why doesn't Kovalev put his foot down a bit and really try and sort of force some openings? Because he's getting his shots off. So why doesn't he kind of really sit down on them and just see if he can really force some openings with his power? But maybe it's just not there anymore. For, for him, really. 
I agree. He could be missing a, a beat on that. That's certainly a possibility. Maybe he tasted Canelo's power. Uh, it kind of put him back a little bit. That, I mean, that's a possibility. I don't know what his real strategy was, other than to pick him apart and hope to get through that the cover. Now, maybe he wasn't even expecting that game from Canelo. Maybe that threw him off, too. I know when you're expecting. I train fighters all the time, so when you're expecting a guy to come out in one particular way and they come out another way, it throws your shit off. <laughs> and you try to figure that out. Of course, by 11 rounds, you should figure that out. You should have enough in your arsenal to do that. I'm sure he probably was expecting something a bit different. And Canelo is, whether you sort of like him or, or don't or think he's a you know a sort of protected drug cheat or whatever you think about Canelo he's very smart boxer isn't he you know and he does vary yeah. up quite oh he's got good body shots he's he obviously is powerful and he's obviously very strong even at 175 he he looks strong although it kind of ties into the next question is really is what next for Canelo and does he stay at light heavyweight as I've sort of heard that he might um, or does he move back down? And if he stays at light heavyweight, I think the fights that I'd love to see him in with would be Dimitri Bivol or Artur Bitterbev. But I can't really see him winning those. I mean, you'd give him a shot, I think, against Bivol, but against Bitterbev, he just looks too strong. You know, he, he's a real animal, a beast, as you might say, at 175. So, um, you know, I don't really think, I think that might be a step too far for Canelo, but I'd love to see him try because I do think he cherry picks a bit and he's a bit protected. And, you know, there'd be a big difference between fighting one of those two guys than Kovalev. Oh, no, I, absolutely. I, look, these other guys, you know, I don't know if they have what it, I think they're right, different fighters. I think Canelo certainly is a smart enough fighter to, to do very well against them. That, that size and that strength, uh, as I started to say a little bit earlier, does matter. Matter of fact, I just had, to give a perfect example, I had one of my fighters who was about, let's say, 120, and they went in there, and they're pretty experienced, they're pretty good, they're a Golden Gloves champion, and then they, they went up against uh, someone who's relatively, well, newer to the boxing, and they were a kickboxer, and they outweigh him by about 30 pounds. Well, I got to tell you, that 30 pounds, <laughs> that's a big weight difference, I get you, but that weight difference was huge, because the smaller fighter was tattooing the bigger fighter. But the bigger fighter, it was like bouncing off like bullets, you know, like Superman, you know. And and then the bigger fighter, who has less experience, you know, one big bang shot, <laughs> sent my other fighter across the ring. So that size and strength, absolutely, it's a big, that's why there's weight divisions and whatnot. So we'll see. I mean, I think he'll do well. Do you, I mean, do you think that he's got a chance against these guys? I think he absolutely does. It's hard to go against Canelo in, in many ways. I think he might eke past Bivol. But I don't think he would be better, Biv. I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong. You know, me and my pronunciation. Yeah. We should probably do on the show one day just Andy's pronunciations of boxers' names. <laughs> but I, I, I think that guy's a, a beast. And I think he's too offensively aggressive and strong for Canelo, who isn't a, a natural light heavyweight. In fact, it wasn't even long ago that we were saying, well, he's just moved up to middleweight. You know, is he really a middleweight? And then it was super middleweight, albeit fleetingly. Now it's light heavyweight. So, you know, as strong as he is, he's a physical specimen, but he's not boxing in his own weight division. In fact, I think that if he goes down to super middleweight, which would be a great, because if he went down to super middleweight and boxed Smith or Billy Joe Saunders for a legitimate world title at super middleweight, I think he probably does beat Billy Joe Saunders 
Phil Saunders has got skills to trouble him, but seeing a few lacklustre performances from Billy Joe Saunders, including in his 11th round stoppage win last night. But I think Callum Smith, on the other hand, I feel would be too big, too strong for Canelo at super middleweight. What is he, six foot two, I think, approximately? He's tall, he's got long levers, he's huge at the weight. You know, he could probably comfortably be a light heavyweight. Hits hard, he's very skilled. So they're the fights I'd like to see because, you know, I'd like to see him in a real tough fight. But what we'll get, I don't know, because the fights Canelo has, they're often fights that we're not really expecting, right? We right. didn't expect to see him fight Amy Khan. We probably didn't expect the Kovalev fight to suddenly get made and happen. See what happens. Yeah, he probably got to cruiserweight and fight KSI. <laughs> <That's a joke. laughs> I mean, everything's possible. Hey, remember what Roy Jones Jr. did go up to heavyweight and win the heavyweight title back in the day. So crazy shit happened. We do live in that area where the package is more important than you know, the substance of what's in packaged, <laughs> you know. So yeah. they might, sometimes these fights get made purely based on the business that it can generate. And unfortunately, well, you know, what, right. And which leads me to look, if we could, I don't know if you want to jump ahead on your agenda, but that goes right into the goddamn YouTubers boxing and the UFC versus boxing. Cause there's a lot of shit I got to say about that stuff. It's fine. Cause it does tie into it, doesn't it? It ties um, into it perfectly. Watching them, introduced in the ring and they were getting the full let's get ready to rumble treatment i thought wow a very surreal thing right two guys having their first pro fights and i think it's only their second fights of their lives i believe i think they've only both once which was in their white collar bout you know what to be fair the fight was better than i expected it wasn't as bad as i thought it was going to be and actually, it was like relatively entertaining to watch if you sort of consider where they are. I think, you know, it's just a, a real kind of head fuck to think that two guys that really are white collar boxers are, you know, headlining at, um, where was it? Was it the Staples Centre or was it? Something. Uh, or Vegas. I don't, I mean, you know, a big event like that. But uh, it was a scrappy old fight. You know, hopefully they leave it there. Uh, but here's the deal. These guys, which I, on my two hours of research, have a combined 40 million followers. I know, it's insane. Uh, can you imagine? That's huge. So it is, look, boxing, UFC, combative sports, it is a huge, huge business. These guys have no business fighting. They would not hold the candle to anybody in my gym. Guys who will never make it. And these motherfuckers are fighting for ridiculous money in a huge venue. The purest Watch in it. me. Have you seen the fight? No. As a boxing purist, it mm. takes away these guys who are in that gym day and out who can't get a decent fight, can't get a break. And I get it because it is a bit about putting butts in seats because subsequently I am a promoter. So I do want to see fights because it's all about the dollar. None of this happens. I get that. But these guys aren't even real boxers. And, and the fact that they have 40 million followers for whatever reason is shocking to me. It reflects horribly on society <laughs> and where we're going. But that's a whole no, other show. Man, I agree with all of what you said. I mean, in one way, I'm really impressed that, that anyone can have 20 million followers or whatever. You know, I don't know if it's split sort of down the middle between the two of them. 
you know, KSI is a guy from London. It's like, how the hell has he done that? I don't know anything about either of them really, but how have they become so big? And, you know, they have, and fair play to them, uh, you know, sort of good luck to them cashing in on that. But for the sport of boxing to see, you know, Devin Haney or Billy Joe Saunders boxing on their undercard, um, and you know the guys that sweat and toil in the gyms to never get the chance to box on a show like that. It, it makes a bit of a mockery of it all, really. So you know, I'd be happy if they would have played ping pong or something. <laughs> you know, like you know, those guys want to fight each other. Why don't they play football or, or tennis or ping pong or why don't they just blow each other? <laughs> uh, I mean, that really. Let's be real. I mean, what's the difference? I'm not sure if I'd have watched that. Sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I got you. That but, might um, be a little difficult. What worries me more about Fury is that a few months ago, he's talking about all the great things he's going to do and how he's going to dominate boxing. And now he's saying he wants a couple more fights and then he's going to retire. Boxing's a young man's game. There's, you know, young guys coming through and I'm getting yeah. old. And is it just, is that all just talk? Or does he genuinely just sort of, I wonder if he just doesn't really like being at the top in boxing. You know, he's a, he's probably been an underdog his whole life. And now he's at that kind of level where I just don't think he, I wonder if he just doesn't really want it. Um, yeah, well, he's I I was looking at the ESPN uh, rankings. This is just ESPN. This is not the WBO or anything like that. And he, they have him ranked second behind Wilder, uh, which uh, I get, I guess, but uh but, yeah, you're right. He might not want to be at the top. Maybe he's just entertaining a lot of ideas and open to a lot of things. I thought the wrestling thing wasn't bad. I, I, I watched it and saw it was pretty standard. There's been guys – I have a little list of some guys who've done it in the, in the past. I, I don't know who Scott Ledoux is. He was a fighter in the early 80s or something. But he was – Ricky Hatton. Did you know Ricky Hatton was in the WWE? No, I didn't I, know that. I did not know that. I, obviously, when he was at the top of the game, uh, Buster Douglas, Evander uh, Holyfield, Leon Spinks all participated as referees and doing different things throughout the year. Muhammad Ali versus Antonio Inoki. Inoki was a real catch wrestler, a real badass. And he's the he, one he, who laid on his back, kicking Ali at his shins. He damaged his legs quite a bit, didn't he? Right, that and that of... fight was ruled a no contest. He didn't want to have anything with Ali. Quite honestly, had he gotten a hold of Ali, he'd have fucked Ali up. Yeah, I mean, so that was... Uh, and then also, Ali, I don't know if you remember, he fought Gorilla Monsoon, <laughs> who was a massive, like, 400-pound man. Floyd Mayweather versus The Big Show, that was in more recent years. That was quite funny, actually. Because right. Mayweather's his fucking head came up to The Big Show's nuts. Tyson uh, teamed up with Stone Cold Steve Austin back in the day, which was kind of a, a cool thing when Tyson was, I guess, start, starting to get his shit together. But do you remember Andre the Giant, the Bayonne bleeder, Chuck Webner? And he picked up Chuck Webner and threw him out of there. Now, that was an unscripted fight. They were actually fighting, and Andre the Giant was so big, he got pissed off because Webner was punching him in the face. It's on YouTube. You can see it. He actually picked up Chuck Webner and threw him over the top rope into the, into the crowd. Now, by the way, that same scene happened with Hulk Hogan and Sylvester Stallone in what? Rocky II, which was a big lawsuit that Chuck Webner, there's an actual documentary on it as well, that Chuck Webner is really the inspiration for the Rocky story because he fought Boy. Muhammad Ali. And I believe he won an undisclosed lawsuit against Stallone for that. Yeah. 
And the fear, by the way, as whether you're Fury or Mayweather, whatever fighter that you're in there, that that wrestler sticks to the script because all it would take is a kick to the kneecap or you fall wrong on the canvas or throw whatever that scripted scenario is. Something goes wrong. Wrestlers are messed up all the time. It could end someone's boxing career. Right. And well, those guys know how to fall, don't they? I mean, they're thrown out of the ring. And sure. I was actually quite surprised at how much Tyson Fury got chucked around. And he'd obviously practiced for it a little bit because it was quite well choreographed. And, you know, he came away without anything broken. So but I'm sure that I'm sure that guy could have probably literally like broke his limbs if he wanted to. <laughs> he was a, I don't know who that guy is, but he was a big dude. Yeah, yeah. And actually, as we're on on Fury for a second, I actually watched this morning him training MMA. How did he look? He actually looked okay. I mean, Tillman was a much smaller guy, but working with him and had him up against uh, the cage and I guess working what they call a sprawl and brawl, where Mm. you're not trying to really learn grappling. You're trying to, for lack of a better word, anti-grappling, you know, and keep the guy from taking you to the ground. I mean, Fury looked fine with it. it. It's very choreographed. It's very s- simple. They're just kind of sh- shadow boxing going very light. I-, I don't know how in depth they got. I think that is a bad move. <laughs> I'd rather see him in the WWE. You don't know if he does a little bit of kickboxing sort of training or something. You know, he could have been doing that on the side a little bit for years. You know, some right. boxers do. But if, if you assume that he doesn't, then at that stage of life, and maybe in the time span of, say, a year or maybe even less to try and learn kickboxing and a bit of, you know, groundwork and wrestling. and It's just going to end badly, right? Even for a guy like Fury, who's obviously very skillful, very fluid, got good reflexes, good timing, you know, he's obviously got that kind of smart fighting brain. How much are you going to be able to learn in that amount of time? You you can't take the world's kickboxer and turn him into a really competitive top level boxer in no, 12 can. months if he does that he'll get hurt you know and like most of the guys that have tried to cross over get hurt and i know we've touched on it before don't you think that affects and maybe just for the purist their legacy if there is one yeah it does a bit i think i think all told you want to see someone just focus on their craft own it and just boss it basically and you, you don't really want to see that. Oh, you know, he drifted off for a year. He went to the UFC, made the mug of himself, got beaten 35 seconds or whatever, you know. It's opinions, isn't it? I think it does, but the next man maybe thinks it doesn't. I think it does too. Look, and we're not, it's just not an MMA show, but McGregor dived into boxing, came back. He's kind of irrelevant in MMA now, kind of the end of his career. I mean, I, at some level, no one gives a shit what he's doing, other than he still potentially could be a big draw. But it's a guy who was at the top of the food chain, should have probably ended his career with the Mayweather fight. It could have been the king of combat sports. Never to get back in, because now it's two or three years, I guess, since he fought, uh, two years plus, and uh, no one's going to give a shit. Does he get motivated for fights after that fight, that amount of money, that whole big show thing after that? Maybe he's a little anticlimactic. Maybe he's just too long out. You know, it's just... Kind of ruined him a bit, really, I guess. Well, we went off there. So let's go back to the official agenda. Wilder versus Ortiz. Can we go back to boxing, please? Well, we are are going back to boxing. It was a little deep. But look, it's all combat. So so Wilder versus Ortiz. That's November 23rd at the MGM Grand, I believe, in Las Vegas. 
So their first fight, what'd you think? Very good fight. Really enjoyed it. I know we, we talked about it on the show. It was a good, entertaining fight to watch. It was quite close. Ortiz gave Wilder all the trouble he could handle, had his moments, had Wilder hurt. Obviously, Wilder got the job done. He didn't need to go over old ground. So fair play, in a way, to, to Wilder for fighting Ortiz again. A guy that, that gave you such a tough fight. I've read that while, you know, Wilder saying he was ill for that, that fight. He wasn't able to train properly. But, you know, look, I still got the job done emphatically. So this time around, you know, I'm going to knock him out. And I might knock him out in the first round. Ortiz is saying the stuff you would expect him to say. I fought him once. I now know what to expect. I'm going to be better prepared. I'm going to be sort of, you know, bring more of everything, you know, and get the win. I think Wilder will probably win the fight. But I think Wilder's 7-1 to one on. And Ortiz is four and a half to one approximately underdog. I don't think that would be a bad bet, you know, to have a, have a punt on Ortiz at four and a half to one right. underdog. You know, Ortiz, let's not forget, he's only lost to Wilder. Um, obviously, we, we don't know how old he is. He looks older than the three of us combined. He's a hard man with good skills, good punch resistance, which you need against Wilder. And quite frankly, even if you've got good punch resistance, you're still getting hurt on you against Wilder. And he did have Wilder hurt. Not a foregone conclusion. I guess Wilder's confident after his first round blitzing of... What's the guy's name? Forgotten his name. <laughs> we all forgotten his name. But in his last fight, he knocked the guy out, didn't he, in, like, in the first round. He's obviously it, it confident. As I say, I think Wilder will get the job done again just because he's got that equaliser. And he is, I think, getting better all the time I think he will have also grown from the Fury fight but you never really know with Wilder because he's not his boxing skills are not that good you know his all-round boxing game I mean I mean he's got that great right hand and he's kind of a good finisher because he's just he just goes into like overdrive doesn't he when he's got you hurt but his all-round boxing game is not that great Uh, he certainly has a lot less skills than someone like Ortiz so it'll be a good fight I think and actually I might go I'm in Vegas that week but as it happens I'm due to be coming back the day before the fight so I might try and uh, if I can I might try and stay an extra day and go to the fight would be quite good it'd be great you know I I, I give Wilder a lot of credit for taking this fight again because it was a very uh, tough fight for him so it's a real ballsy move Wilder definitely has to land his shot. He can't be missing Wilder as he got more accurate. Of course, anything he touches with that big shot often spells the end of the night for the other guy. Because um, if he does miss, Ortiz is a great counterpuncher. You know, he's got power and he's very accurate. You know, can he make Wilder pay and, and kind of bring some of that back? Maybe it's what What was the last fight? Two years ago? A year ago? About a year, isn't it? I, I watched it in Tokyo. It wasn't that long ago. Honestly, I, I reckon a, a punt on Ortiz, those odds, isn't, isn't a bad one. I, I Not wouldn't bad at all. It, it is a possibility. If he won, because Wilder has come from behind to win several times. He carries the kind of power at heavyweight that someone like Inouye carries you know, down at the lightweight. So he should be good. I'm excited it's, for that fight. What will ha- happen in a fight like that, let's say you're fighting a, a Wilder and you're up on the cards and you're landing clean shots and you're moving left and right and you're generally making Wilder miss... What generally happens is that you let your guard down a little bit. You, you relax a little bit too in there. And that's when Wilder capitalizes with that big shot. You're like, ah, he, I made a miss 
the last 30 shots. But all it takes is that one. So I agree. If I had them, I would bet on Ortiz that money. <laughs> but Wilder will probably take it away with a knockout. You raise a really good point there, though, right? Obviously, second time around, Ortiz is going to, I assume, be a lot more cautious. I think he was pretty cautious in the first fight. You know, he boxed intelligently. But if he starts to outbox Wilder, he thinks, right, I'm laying traps, I'm making him miss, I'm, you know, I'm countering these shots, I'm slipping those, you know, his brain is saying, I've got this guy, I'm ahead of him. Then, you know, you have a lapse in concentration or whatever it is. And, you know, you've got this big spider in front of you, he's like six foot seven and you get caught. So, you do. We'll I'll say right in my gym the other day, one of my fighters, Elizabeth, she's, She's a Gold Gloves champion. She's fighting our friend Stephen Phillips, who's a world kickboxing champion. And she was just doing boxing. He was working with her, being very nice. And, and you know, Stephen's letting her get some work. And he got lazy, right? Thinking, this little girl can't hit me. He kind of lets his hand down. Fuck, she comes up, busts his eye, gives him a shiner. <laughs> All because he, you settle in. Like, oh, they can't hurt me. That's when the, the lightning strikes, right? That's always the danger. So I, I just saw that happen. So we'll see. I mean, I'm 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 excited to see that fight. So that's next month. And if you go, that'd be great. So you'll make that decision yeah. on the spot when you're in Vegas. Uh, no, I'm going to see if I can change my flights now ahead of time because uh, I'll probably try and go out to Vegas a day later, but come back a day later. Just juggling around. So it just depends really on the cost of the flight changes and stuff. So the next fight, Fury Wilder. I, is that date official? February twenty second of twenty twenty. I don't think it's official, as far as I know. You guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's mooted. But I don't think it's official. I think that fight's got to happen, right? It should have happened by now. It's, I feel like they've let that marinate a little bit too... Way too yeah. long. It almost like you don't give a shit at some yeah. level, which goes back to a discussion later with the UFC versus boxing stuff because why should that fight wait why should we i don't understand it uh, there's always politics there's money everyone's i know that i'm in the world of professional boxing as well that there's so many parts to that puzzle and so many hands in the pot of gold that it complicates the shit out of it yeah but you, you talk about someone like canelo being maybe a bit protected i don't think wilder is you know so I don't know why that fight's not really getting made because I guess the general consensus is most of us think that Fury will relieve Wilder of his WBC belt, probably in a distant fight or maybe even a late stoppage. But so I don't feel like the fight's not happening because we don't want Wilder to lose. It's politics. And, it's, and often in this world, there's a lot of big personalities. And if I don't like you, I'm going to make your life miserable and complicated for you. Let's hope it happens in, in February and that it's the sort of next fight for both of them. I don't know whether that's too soon for Fury. You know, that cut was bad. I want to see that fight. I think we all want to see that fight. Have, having looked it up online, Fury saying it's definitely happening. They haven't confirmed a venue, so it's in the United States, but they haven't said what city it's in. Don't you sort of sometimes even take that with a pinch of salt? Because how many times you hear one, you know, the fighter or the promoter or someone say, it's happening, it's happening. And then, you know, a week later, the other guy comes out and says, well, I don't know why he's saying that, because I haven't signed anything. Nowadays, they're fine with the merry-go-round of belts and rankings and ratings and made-up belts and blah, 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 until it's sort of like properly in the print. I'm a little sceptical. Agreed. 
Let's hope. Agreed. These are, to be fair, these articles all date back to like September or July. So, and I haven't heard that much right. about it recently. One of the things I, I, I wanted to mention was the fight a few days ago with Inaway and Nonito Donet. You guys uh, might remember we talked on one of the previous shows that that great story around Cali Sewell the, the promoter and sort of chief boxing officer of the World Boxing Super Series coming to my apartment in Tokyo and making doing some filming for the sort of intro to the World Boxing Super Series in Tokyo. And my wife and I went to see the fight with that Inaway versus. Um, Juan Carlos Piana. 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 <laughs> <laughs> He's got you me again. Butcher. I am fucking terrible. Yeah. And we loved it. And we were mesmerized with how sort of fast explosive and powerful you know in a way he was and obviously he's gone on had more wins he gone into the final with Danito Denaire who's who's you know, a, a, a real veteran, you know, coming to the end of his career. Yeah. And it was just an amazing fight. In a way, was electric, boxed incredibly well. And Donaire went toe-to-toe with him, boxed and hung with him for every second of every round. Brilliant fight. Both guys were sort of classed before, during and after. Um, in a way, had a bad cut, very, very bad cut. Donaire hurt in a way, nearly had him out of there. Might be a little bit of an overstatement, but he definitely had him quite hurt. And, um, you, you know, was landing some great right hands over the top of, in a way, his jab, which was beautiful to see. So, you know, don't, don't see that that often, sort of simple but beautiful combination. And, uh, and then, of course, he hits Donaire with that shot to the liver in, I think was it, I think it was the 11th round and it was early in the round and Donaire goes down in absolute agony, gets up and just, you know, fights back for like two minutes. It was a brilliant fight. Before that, we had, you know, Taylor Pugaris and that was great as well. So that tournament just turns up brilliant fight after brilliant fight. So I was at home watching it on my own, at home on my own. I was like applauding on my own. Like, <laughs> probably, hey, probably still, what the hell is this guy doing? He's clapping well, on his own. He's that good. And there was this great story that emerged after the fight that Donaire had promised his young kids that he, he would return home with the belt. He sort of told in a way this, and in a way graciously said, I'll lend you the belt. And so Donaire took the belt home for like one night to show his kids, you know, with this kind of powerful lesson of like, look, I don't get to keep this belt because I didn't win it, you know, but we never give up. It was quite sort of. That's a great story. Mm-hmm. No, that is. That is mm-hmm. a great fight. It was all a unanimous decision for in a way uh, that didn't take away from the. I actually didn't give Donaire many rounds. It was one of those fights where the points didn't tell the story of the fight because although Inouye was winning the vast majority of rounds, they were all very competitive. Yeah, the scores were official scores. 117-109, 116-111, and 114-113. Now, how do you see it that different? From a 117-109 to a 114-113 is a big difference in how those judges saw it was a really kind of rousing fight to watch. You know, it, I, you couldn't help but be mesmerized by it. And I, I get, I could see how some people would have really loved Donaire's work. I loved Donaire's work and just his courageousness. But I still felt like, yeah, you know, I'd give that round to him anyway. He just, he was just that bit better. 
I think I scored it something like 117, 110 or, or 118, 110. I can't remember now. I used that fight score app. I also like if I watched it again, I wonder if I would come up with a score that was closer. Yeah, you, you might, but you can't do that. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. That's the beauty, though. The beauty thing is, is that I can. And which look that brings us to when we're talking about the scoring stuff. You were you had made mention, and we both have is that boxing's got to get its shit together. Yeah. Uh, that you feel that UFC is doing a better job, I guess, at some level. I, I said recently on social media that I feel like UFC is more popular. And I got absolutely shot down by all these boxing fans telling, <laughs> telling me, no, boxing's way more popular and, you know, because the pay-per-view numbers are a lot higher. And I know the finances are much bigger. But what I was going to say is at least out in this part of the world, in Asia, I see crowds of people in bars to watch the UFCs. And quite frankly, not as many people out watching the boxing. Tell a bit more about that in a second, but yeah, go on, give me the numbers. No, just a real top thing from 2002 up to two cents. We don't have to go that far. All the way back, De La Hoya Vargas had 935,000, I guess, buy rates, and Ortiz Shamrock, 150,000. That goes to 2002. Let's just jump ahead to 2010, where you had, this is interesting, Mayweather versus Mosley had 1.4 million buys, and Lesnar versus Carwin had 1.1 million, so they outdid him there. All the way down the line, Boxing consistently has more buys than UFC. A bit like wrestling. I just feel like there's a lot of sort of casual, more like general sports fans that tune into the UFC. I think boxing's got a, a loyal contingent of boxing fans. But okay. you, you, listen, I went to a bar to watch the Canelo Kovalev fight. You know, it's a sports bar. They had all the itinerary for the month up on the wall. And, you know, it was all advertised. The place was packed. Everyone there at like 10.30 in the morning to watch the UFC. You know, to ask the manager, are you going to put the boxing on? And he was like, look, I'll put it on one screen for you. But the other 10 screens need to show the UFC. Everyone's here for that. And, you know, because there was an overlap. And I was worried that I was going to miss the fight. As it happened, they delayed the Canelo Kovalev fight um, because they wanted the UFC to finish because they didn't want to you know, clash on the on the on the viewer ratings. And did that bother yeah. you? Well, it did bother me a little bit actually because I ended up being there a lot longer and I took my baby girls with me and we were sat outside and you know I thought I was getting there to watch a fight at one time and I had to wait about two hours. But I sort of understand why they did it and it, and I'm glad they did because honestly speaking if they hadn't I may not have got to see the fight or I would have got to see it on like one crappy screen with no sound because the UFC was more popular people were crowding out in the street not just the bar I was in loads of bars all down the strip as soon as the UFC finished most of them went a good degree stayed in the bar that I was in to watch the Canelo fight you know this was about one o'clock in the afternoon now so people are having lunch and stuff but I could definitely see that most people had turned out for the UFC. One observation from me is that in a lot of countries, the UFC is actually like free, right? So in the UK, we just watch it via BT Sport and, you know, you're not, you're not paying for it. So I don't know whether we're comparing like with like when, when you know, the boxing is pretty universally pay-per-view, whatever country you're in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that's probably why the numbers are financially bigger as, as well. I guess those numbers that you were quoting off, Jim, were pay-per-view buys, not... Correct. Like, again, I, I'd love to be wrong because, you know, I'm a boxing fan and I prefer boxing right. to UFC, but I, I feel like 
they've done a great job of marketing it, the tournament style, the fact that they don't care about losses. Was there a combined 25 defeats approximately between Diaz and Masadival? You know, and you, you couldn't even comprehend two boxers level headline in a pay-per-view show with sort of 12, 13 defeats each. Right. There's some issues like for like UFC has fewer weight divisions. They're broader weight divisions. I mean, guys can still agree, but essentially there's what, five or so weight divisions. There's generally one champion per division. In boxing, you could have a WBO and IBF, blah, blah, and they never fight each other. And there's different ranking systems, right? What I thought is too, decisions in boxing in general seem to be more controversial. Like you'll see like one judge score something that no one else saw. You don't see, you do see that in MMA a little bit, but not as much. And I don't know why that is. And look, UFC in general, the best will always fight the best, like the top two dogs. Oh, there is exceptions to that when, when someone like St. Pierre comes out from retirement and fights. But in, in boxing, you could avoid the top five, ten fighters for a long period of time. You know, uh, you well, can fight substandard I'll, opponents. I'll, it's easier to avoid for the for the top fighters to avoid fighting each other. You, you know, there has to be so much pressure to make the fights between the top guys. You, you know, you think that if the magazines and the fans and the social media weren't creating that pressure, that you wonder whether like, sometimes whether how many of these guys would fight. Having said that, you know, this year has been a great good year for boxing in terms of we, you know we've served up a lot of really really good fights. So, last year earlier question, you know what? It never ceases to amaze me, the scorecards that get turned in. And sometimes I think that judges are on the payroll. Um, you know, they're getting a brown envelope or right. something like that. You like to think that doesn't exist in the sport. I'm sure you do, you know, in your position, you know, with, with, with your fighters and stuff. But sometimes you just feel like that's the only conceivable way or that judge just really doesn't understand boxing. And, and, and if that's the case, then why they're judge? And I'm sure that they're all, they're, they're, they've probably judged, you know, hundreds, thousands of amateur fights, you know, before they're judging these top-level pro fights. So they have to know boxing. So how the hell can they, you know, score, you know, that fight like that? Um, just like it never ceases to amaze me, really. I don't think we'll ever know the answer. No, you'll never we'll, know the answer. Right. We'll be moaning about it for a long time to come. Forever and ever. Right. Well, mm. God damn, we covered a lot of topics today. Doc, it's great to have you back on the show. We got to do it next month, I guess. or the, at the end, We got to do the end of the year recap. Let's do it. You can make those arrangements with my co-host, Tom, who is still on the show. It's surprising. He was so quiet. <laughs> who knows why yeah, he was quiet. A bit, but... bit hungover. Is that no right? dates for it to tell us or... Pub fights, or uh, keeping it clean now. I'll save it, yeah, save them for off <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, Good, great show. All right. You have been listening to Primal Radio in association with Primal Gym and Primal Promotions. Primal Radio is available on all good podcast venues. To help us grow, please subscribe, like it, share it, and leave us a great review.
Sometimes you'll have to edit this in, a, in the appropriate spot. We just fought a couple weeks ago. Unfortunately, there was a no contest. Scrap dropped the guy in the first round. In the second round, they gave the guy a standing eight count because the only reason he remained up at the end of the second round is because he landed on the ropes and the bell rang. So you get a standing eight count in the pros, right? Third round yeah. comes in about, I thought Scrap cut him with a, uh, a punch. It's hard to discern on the videotape. They ruled it an unintentional headbutt. In the rules, if the fight does not go past three rounds, it's considered a no contest if it's stopped due to a cut. There was 27 seconds set, set in the round. Scrap had two knockdowns in two rounds. And unfortunately, the doctor, not the ref, not the corner, the doctor stopped the fight. What caused the cut? They didn't know. It was an unintentional headbutt. They did butt heads. The guy was a southpaw, was a tall, lanky guy, was a tough guy. Scrap totally outclassed him. But because of the headbutt, which when you look at the videotape, which I allow them to look at the videotape now, it's very tough from the angle of the camera to tell exactly if it was a punch or a headbutt. They did bump heads. I thought the head bump happened earlier in the round. But it doesn't matter. So that was ruled a no contest. Yeah. You know, you can't do anything about that. It was completely out of your control. It was about to be an up-down. Bad head is it. So we fight this coming weekend, too. He's doing real well, and uh, we'll be up at that level. It's just you know the one bad judgment call. You see, what people don't see is the behind-the-scenes stuff of what has to happen between the coaches, management, the promoter. It's a lot of a game of chess, and the guy's power plays. I think he could have absolutely beaten that guy. This guy came to bring it, and that, that caused the issue. And then you have to decide who do you fight, so he kind of stepped back a little. He just went and met Lomachenko. Had to sit that he was invited by top-ranked boxing to go. So they got their eye on him. What was that like? Did you go with him or? No, I didn't go no. with him. I'm, I'm busy running Primal Industries. <laughs> <laughs> I am too busy. So, no, I didn't go. He, he went with one of our other fighters, JR. How did, yeah, how did he describe? Does he met Lomachenko before on the amateur circuit? Do they know each other or was it? No, no, I know, don't think he ever met him. It's a special moment for him, I would think. Right, right. right. Lomachenko is one of his heroes, and it's a, it's a meet and greet. So that means that top-ranked boxing and the powers that be in that world have their eye on scrap. They're seducing him. Yeah. Like taking a chick out to a nice place to eat and, and uh, buying her some flowers. <laughs> My methods of seduction are a lot more sophisticated than that. Oh, yeah, but, I know. Uh, and by the way, so let's go back to this. So, like, where the fuck have you been? Why have we not had a boxing update? Are you just too busy? I mean, you've got international stardom, and you're fucking it up. <laughs> I know we, you get been, stopped down the street. Women throw their panties at you. I know. We left Japan in September. I can't remember when we, when we did the last show, but we've right. been sort of sort of moving around, staying in temporary accommodation, staying with family. It's been a bit of a difficult period, to be frank. But... Back now, we're in Singapore. I'm starting my new job in just over a week. Still haven't got my visa, which is a bit mad, but at least we're sort of getting settled. As soon as we get the visas, we'll be moving into, you know, a proper apartment and uh, life can sort of resume normality. But the past few months have just been a bit all over the place. That's okay. That was it. We'll forgive so. you. People are asking, because believe it or not, there are people that listen to the show. <laughs> and they enjoy the boxing 
and, and updates. They're really good. They're at the top of the food chain. Oh, Tom, look at this gigantic fucking mug I have. I've got the same thing here with, with me, yeah. It's gigantic. My God, the time I drink this, at the end of the show, I'm going to have to pee for like 10 minutes. <laughs> it's a proper cup of tea, though. 